Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. This week, we focus on a deranged killer who preyed on women and a notoriously infamous mind-controlled program run by the CIA. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted Twos. Number 1. The Connecticut River Valley Killer During the 1980s, an unknown serial killer stabbed and killed seven women around Claremont, New Hampshire and the Connecticut River Valley. The first victim was 27-year-old Kathy Milliken. An outdoor enthusiast, she was taking pictures of birds when she disappeared on October 24, 1978. Her body was discovered the next day with 29 stab wounds, just yards away from where she was last seen. Three years later, in July of 1981, 31-year-old Mary Critchley disappeared while hitchhiking. Her body was found a month later. And then 16-year-old nurse's aide Bernice Cordemanche disappeared on May 30, 1984. She was also hitchhiking to see her boyfriend, but never made it. Two months later, another nurse, Ellie Fry, disappeared. She was speaking on a payphone with her sister and mentioned seeing a car driving back and forth in the area that was creeping her out. They spoke for several minutes, and it was the last time her sister or anyone else would ever hear from her. A year after that, single mother Ava Morse was hitchhiking along Route 12 like Bernice when she was last seen. In September of 1985, 14 months after her call with her sister, Ellen Fried's body was finally found with multiple stab wounds and signs of sexual assault. There was a killer on the loose in New Hampshire, but with nothing connecting the women and no evidence, the police couldn't get any leads. By April of 1986, the assaults had gotten more brazen, Linda Moore was doing yard work at her home one afternoon. That evening, her husband found her stabbed to death, 
with the crime scene indicating there was a violent struggle all throughout the house. Witnesses were able to describe an unidentified man in the vicinity, but it would not lead to any arrest. Shortly after that attack and murder, Bernice's body was discovered a mere 1,000 yards from Ellen's body. Six days later, Ava's body would also be found. She had suffered several stab wounds all throughout the body, but mostly in the neck. Finally, in January of 1987, Barbara Agnew disappeared while coming back home from a ski trip. Her body, just like the others, suffered severe stabbing injuries. Despite all these killings in the area and a composite sketch, no one could identify or pinpoint a suspect. But then there was one more attack. On the night of August 6, 1988, 22-year-old Jane Broski, who was seven months pregnant, was returning from a county fair and stopped at a closed convenience store to use a vending machine. When she got back inside her car, she noticed a Jeep was now parked next to her. A man walked around to the back of her vehicle and asked her if the payphone was working, then suddenly grabbed her and pulled her out. The man accused Jane of beating up his girlfriend and asked an odd question if she had Massachusetts plates. She told him she had New Hampshire plates, but still she was stabbed 27 times before the man finally drove away. Surprisingly, despite all the wounds, Jane managed to return to the car and drive to a friend's house. En route, she noticed the vehicle in front of her was the assailant and she managed to note down a few letters of the license plate. Jane reached her friend's home and was immediately brought to the hospital where it was found she had suffered a collapsed lung, severed tendons, severed jugular vein, and kidney lacerations. She managed to survive the attack and her baby did too, and Jane was able to provide a composite sketch and the partial license plate. Still, despite this, nothing would come out of the investigation. There was one strong suspect named Delbert Tallman, who lived in the area and had confessed to a murder in 1984 of a 16-year-old girl whom he had raped and stabbed to death. But he later recanted his statement, and without evidence, was acquitted. Even more intriguing than the fact that the killer's M.O. was similar was that the girl's body was found less than a mile from where Barbara's body would be discovered three years later. There were a few additional suspects, but nothing stuck, and today the case remains unsolved. While many hope advancements in technology will eventually help solve the crimes, it's likely that the Connecticut River Valley killer is still alive and quite possibly searching for his next victim. Number 2. Project MKUltra Mind Control if it was possible, then whoever could do it would essentially be all-powerful. You could make anyone do anything you'd like at any moment and become a god. And that's exactly why the U.S. government was so interested in figuring out how to do it. So much so that the CIA once engaged in a very unusual and highly illegal program, hoping they could use mind control against the enemies of the United States, and it was called Project MKUltra. The unusual name also has meaning. The MK serves as a designation that the technical services staff ran it. Meanwhile, the word ultra was once used to identify the most classified programs under World War II intelligence. The project was officially launched on April 13, 1953. It was created to develop mind-controlling drugs to combat the mind-controlling techniques allegedly being used by the North Koreans, Soviets, and Chinese military against U.S. prisoners. 
America wanted to have a similar program while also hoping to use the drugs on foreign leaders, and they even attempted to drug Fidel Castro several times. What's so nefarious about the program was that it was run and tested without the knowledge of the subjects, so they never gave consent. Several academic researchers who had approved grants were often experimented on, then only told they had been drugged while the experiment was happening. The subjects were given hallucinogenic drugs, mainly LSD and other chemicals. Among their goals was to find out which drug would promote the same intoxicating effects as alcohol, help make performing hypnosis easier, or at least enhance it, help individuals withstand torture, brainwashing, or interrogation when under enemy camp, help create effects similar to amnesia before and during its use, create a sense of confusion and shock in the user, and create physical disablement in the subject. What's most shocking is that it wasn't just run by the CIA. The research was comprised of 88 separate institutions that included 44 colleges, hospitals, prisons, universities, and drug companies, most of which were not even aware that they were running the program. While the project is known for dosing its victims with LSD, it extended far beyond that. In fact, there were a total of 149 sub-projects within Project MKUltra. There was even a special branch that dealt with electroshock therapy, harassment techniques, and more. For instance, one project involved Scottish psychiatrist Donald Cameron, who was the first chairman of the World Psychiatric Association. He would experiment on patients who only needed treatment for postpartum depression or anxiety by subjecting them to different paralytic drugs and electroconvulsive therapy that were 40 times stronger than anything ever done before. Pioneering his psychic driving concept, he would induce patients into a coma, many of which suffered lasting effects like severe amnesia, forgetting who their relatives were, and much more. These patients ended up living with the condition the rest of their lives. As for accountability, particularly on those who died as a result of MKUltra, the CIA and the government remained shielded. The most famous death as a result was in 1953 of biochemist Frank Olson. The CIA contends he willingly partook in the LSD experiments, but his family asserts otherwise. Shortly after he joined the experiment, he checked into a New York City hotel room on the 13th floor, where he fell to his death from the window. The person tasked to monitor him had fallen asleep on the bed, and once the drug took a hold, Frank could not control himself. Officially, the government stated the drug only exasperated Olson's existing suicidal tendencies and settled with the family for $750,000. However, in 1994, his body was exhumed, and a coroner found he had head wounds suggesting he was knocked out before he died, which suggests homicide. The family sued the government for wrongful death, but because so much time had passed, a judge dismissed it. The project was an overall disaster, although that's exactly what someone under mind control would say. Who really knows what sort of knowledge they attained and how they could be using it today? As for official records, the CIA destroyed most of the paperwork associated with the project upon the orders of CIA Director Richard Helms, when the Watergate scandal broke out in 1973. However, a cache of more than 20,000 documents relating to Project MKUltra was found to have survived, and some of these were declassified. 
You can find a zip file of those documents in the description below if you're interested in checking them out for yourself. So there were two of the most sinister and mind-controlling stories around. The world can be a crazy place and Twisted 2's is sure to show you why. If you enjoyed this video then please remember to subscribe to our channel and click the notification bell because we have many new scary mysteries coming out every single week that we're sure you'll enjoy. Thanks for watching and I'll see you next week.